Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is another one of our Tropical Turf Pick 3 shows. It is for Saturday, January 20th. Uh, races, three turf races from Gulfstream Park. There's actually four on the day. We will be talking about the last three uh, turf races. Oh, somebody pointed out to me something really interesting. Thank you to Mike, who pointed out, I was mentioning on a show recently about the rules in the bets at Gulfstream. If a bet goes off the surface after it's begun, in the pick four and pick five, that goes to an all. It actually does not do that. Now, we should verify this, but I believe this is correct. It does not do that in the Tropical Turf Pick 3. It's sort of designed to continue if the bets get moved onto the synthetic, even if the sequence has started. I'm pretty sure that's right, and uh, I thought it was a really interesting note. So thank you, Mike, for passing that one along. Anyway, I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from Gallery 55 once again. Uh, the bunker's too cold still. Hopefully that's going to get better, though. I don't know. The snow outside suggests maybe otherwise. Uh, and I am joined to talk about these three races at Sunny Gulfstream on Saturday by a man coming to you from warmer climes uh, down on the planet Texas. Once again, he's Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? Yeah, I mean, obviously we can be a little bit confused about our politics here in the great state of Texas. We can also be confused about our weather. Remember I told you yesterday when we talked, uh, we left Saratoga at 5 degrees, landed in Austin 76 degrees, had dinner last night on a patio uh, in, in Austin, me, uh, G, and, and, and the human Austin. This morning <laughs> woke up and it was 28 degrees. Are you serious? Degrees. Holy yeah. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I didn't it, know it was that much spread. I knew it got cold. Yeah. yeah, and the high today is like fifty, so it, it's it can it can play tricks on you. Fifty, I'll give you no sympathy for that. Reminds me of the, our Californian friends in that type of weather, running around in parkas with two hoods. I'm looking at you, Gary Fenton, um, but it, it is it is definitely uh, a lot better than here. Let's put it that way. If not the balmy seventy-two upon your arrival. All eyes on Florida this weekend. Lots of good racing at Gulfstream. We've got plenty of coverage here of that meet, as well as we'll be having a show with Santa Anita stuff. We're going to have an In the Money Plus show on fairgrounds, covering a lot of big stakes down there. So keep it locked, inthemoneypodcast.com, for that extra content you'll need In the Money Plus. That's inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus. Remember, with that, you get extra shows. You get digests of all the picks and crucially you get our Derby and breeders cup packages, which have expanded every year. And I continue, I imagine will continue to do so again this year, but on this show, the focus on the all turf pick three, I always call it that, which is the Keeneland name for the bet, the tropical turf pick three race. Number four, we begin one thirty nine Eastern, the scheduled post time. Hope you like maidens. Uh, Cause we're going to be talking about three of them on this show, starting with these Phillies and mares four and up going a mile on the turf. We've got a field of seven going postward. And JK, I thought there was a stone cold single to get us started. How did you see it? Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm ice cold with the five in here. Um, and I'm, I, I, I've switched the page. So now I'm going to Lady Emily Emma. Catherine. Lady Emily Catherine. Yeah, it, look, it's it's if someone beats me in here, uh, I got no problem. I, I think that's one thing horse players make a mistake about when you're looking at some of these races. Um, especially as you become a more seasoned horse player, there's, there's like a, there's a transition, like you're a novice, then you become more seasoned. And then I think you become an expert expert. And I only know about three experts, right? 
uh, that I like to consider four, maybe experts, five, maybe experts in this game, right? The Matisse's I considered it to be experts. I know they're still learning, but uh, Mike Maloney, uh, I think uh, Sean Borman was on his way there and probably crowned himself an expert based on the, what, uh, what he did in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. Someone like Marshall Graham, who's so familiar with the game and, and every asset, every aspect of the game. The reason I talk about that journey is I think when you first start, you're a little naive, you're naive that you're smarter than you are. You kind of start to figure the game out. You think you're a better player than you are. Then when you become an expert, I mean, uh, you become like a, a seasoned player. I think there's a level, and I found myself there the last couple of years, where you've seen every single way that you can get beat. And now every horse looks like they can beat you. And you start including and using things that you probably don't need to. And... And, uh, and I think experts can kind of see through that, that they, an expert can, 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 can digest being wrong. An expert doesn't have to cover every scenario. An expert can think that the seven has a great chance to win the race, but single the six, uh, a new player or a, or a seasoned player will include the seven as well. Just, oh, I can't let this horse beat me. You know, a, a, a new player will say, Oh, I can't toss a Chad Brown in the turf race. Mm-hmm. And, and so, to me, this is one of those situations where it's just, to me, I'm going to single this, this five horse. And if the horse beats me or someone else beats me in here, I wasn't going to find them anyways. And the, the, the only way that I can create value in this play is to single the five. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to single the five. Lady Amelia, uh, Emily Catherine, um, the race on the synthetic last time makes a little bit of sense as, as why this horse should run well. At least just lets me know that she's in form. I, I'm not really looking at that figure and being like, oh, she's going to run well off that figure. I'm just saying that she came in off of a off of a, of a break since Keeneland. She ran well enough. If she runs that race, she ran at Keeneland. She wins this race for fun. I'll single the five. I love the dissertation. Very good. And, and I think a lot of truth in what you're saying. Yeah, she just looks nailed on. Big trip against the flow last time um, and uh, has uh, – Fast numbers, you know, got stopped last time too. Uh, back on the best surface. This is the place to plant a flag. And with that, JK, are agreeing. Let's hope we're right about that one. Get the day off to a nice start. We will pivot to race number seven, the hinge of this tropical turf pick three. This time around, we've got three-year-old maiden specials going a mile and a 16th on the turf. I didn't find this race quite as simple. There is a big favorite in here. But for me, this is a doesn't have to win type favorite. I might include on a backup line if I can if I can make the 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 math work in my favorite favor. We'll get to that one. But I'll start with number nine, Live to Ride. I think this horse is interesting. Massively against the flow in the turf debut. And absolutely nothing against our uh, friend and friend of the show, Kenny McPeak. But a notable switch here to Brendan Walsh, just because I see him as more of a grass specialist. And he's just been so unlucky this meet, so many seconds and thirds. That, to me, feels like random variance as opposed to anything causal. I just think this horse is much better than the bear form suggests, and I want some nines on my tickets. And then the other one from a race design point of view I really wanted in here was the four, uh, Modica, Funky Cold Modica. I could envision this horse getting a great trip under Johnny. You know, one of two trips I could see, either settling in behind the speed and getting an inside-out trip if the two likely speeds, like, go off. I could also see if they're not going too fast, him sort of just flopping outside and getting that classic JRV typically on the dirt trip and having that working out. So really the nine and the four are the ones I like the best. The big fave, and I'm curious to get your opinion on this big fave, is the three, triple espresso. Cugino, to me, just came back to run okay. This is a very obvious uh, uh, contender, 
when you look at figures and form, which is what I predicate everything on. So I'm not in a hurry to get beat. I don't think it's some awful favorite. I just thought there were maybe some sexier options in the nine and the four. So nine, four A's, three B for me. Where are you with triple espresso and all the rest? Yeah, I mean, this is a simple, simple race for me in terms of the fact that it's not a simple race, right? Yes, the three triple espresso is getting Lasix for the first time. She's been betting basically all of her races. She almost broke her maiden in a stake race. She's participating. I think she's in a he. Big stakes. He, excuse me. He, 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 he. I don't. I, you know what happened there? I was looking at this other thing really quick while you were talking, and I saw Philly, and I, that's why I said he triple espresso. Excuse me. Um, ran the pilgrim, the kittens, that kittens joy stake. I, I just think this horse looks like he's the goods. But he doesn't have to be the goods, right? It just He's just one that's run. It, just because he's run doesn't mean that these other ones aren't monsters too. I'm going to spread in here because uh, I'm going to be pretty skinny in the last leg. I'm going to use the one first-timer for Chad. Kittens Joy down on the inside. I'll use the St. Elias uh, horse. Shout out to St. Elias for having uh, this week's first Lanes in Legacy of the Week. The winner turn up the trees. So you've seen that video circulating a little bit. Uh, runner for St. Elias. Um, triple espresso I'll use. I'm going to use the four Modica. I'm going to use, um, Riverwalk, a, a more than ready, uh, who's got a turf winning, uh, sibling who's getting on to the grass. It's a, I love that move for Bill Mott, right? Give them a race around there on the dirt, make sure they're ready and then put them where they need to be. And then I'll use the nine as well that you mentioned. And I agree with you. It's nothing against Kenny, but it is a, a move to Brendan, uh, with a Kingman out of an Irish bred mare. Uh, let's see if, if, if he can maybe wake up some of that turf. And I think that race at, at Aqueduct is better than it looks closing into a slow pace. So the yeah. figure is going to be slow. They can only come home so fast when the pace is slow. And remember that figures, final figures are just that a final number. So if I, you know, I, someone explained, expressed this to me the other day and I, I can't remember who, and I'm not going to give him credit, but if you let Usain Bolt walk out of the gate or out of the starting blocks, for, you know, 10 meters. And then he runs the best race he's ever run in his life, ever. He is never going to break his his best record. He can't. It's impossible. He can't do it because he can only go so fast for the rest of those 90 meters. So uh, I, I think that looking at closing in a slow pace is the same idea. You're identifying one of the reasons why relying on final figures alone in turf races isn't something that is productive. And, and you really kind of need to look at those internal sectionals and especially the closing sectional when you know they're really putting effort in. This is as opposed to dirt racing, which almost always is attritional. They go as fast as they can for as far as they can. And everybody's slowing down at the end with some notable exceptions in there. Uh, famous, very famous horses who run faster on the dirt late than they do earlier. So I wrote it down one, two, three, four, five, nine for you. Do you have a top pick in that bunch? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, I guess the, the, the Brendan Walsh one's probably the one I trust the most, you know, just because of that, that closing into a slow pace, but sure. uh, nothing crazy. I'll throw that in there just for the purposes of the notes that we send out for, uh, for in the money plus. And this is a situation where somebody might say, why are you still using the favorite if you're using so many, but if you're one deep in the first leg and you're one deep or two deep in the last leg, I think you can at least play the favorite to get your money back in this spot. Is that more your logic? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you, you know, when you have a look, if you're going to kind of be three by five by three, then I don't think you want to use the favorite in, in like a, in that five leg, right? Because if it comes favorite, 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 you're likely going to lose money. But if you can be skinnier in the front or skinnier in the back or skinnier in both or the other two legs, it doesn't have to be front or back, 
then I think you can you can you can afford to, and it still makes sense to include the favorite because if I hit my single, I hit the favorite, and then the favorite of the horses that I like in the last wins on a on a one by five or one by six, one by six, six by two. You know, we're looking at a at a twelve to a thirty six dollar ticket. I'm likely getting my thirty six back, so I don't feel so silly about including. But that could go wrong really quickly if you start adding a lot more horses. That's for sure. At some point, it gets to where you should just leave that favorite out because if it wins, it's just not worth anything. And you can use that capital. You can allocate that capital to hit a combination you actually like another time. Let's go to the split of race seven. It's race 11. So still three-year-old Colts going a mile and a 16th on the turf field of 11. This is one where I'll start out just by saying I have a theory of how to approach this because you got a situation where which you don't usually like and you don't like to see in the last leg of multi-race bets where you have a lot of unexposed form. In other words, first-time starters that we essentially know nothing about and we have no tote signal for the likes of Co-Invest or Zapata, who I could both see, you know, both either of whom could easily be the favorite or six to one board screaming they're not going to win today. And we don't know that. And so rather than guess at that, there's one horse in here who I think has exposed form and I can make a case for this is the horse I'm going to cover in this bet. And then what I'm going to do is try to leverage my opinion by taking a look back at race 10 when we get to it and studying those double probables. I'll extra cap race 10, hopefully have an opinion in there. I haven't gotten to it yet. Sorry. A lot of races to cap to get these shows done. But by looking at the double as a way to work with wherever I am in the all-turf pick three, that's how I'm going to either include or ultimately decide to fade these first-time starters like the seven and the nine. For me in this bet, Dilger is the one I want. Savvy Joseph, very good sprinter route. This horse is a wire possibility, I think, stretching out from six, even though the horse showed no speed on debut. The horse was bet to six to one and showed no speed. So I think, again, as I always say, that betting a proxy for the fact that this horse probably has more speed than that from the rail with Zayas, I think they're going to be aggressive. And again, it's not that like I love this as a single, but I just think it's a smart approach thinking ahead to how I'm going to try to use multiple pools to construct my wagers on this day. So just the one for me sounded like you had much more conviction than I did about this race. JK, who are the two you want to use? Is it the firsters? Well, it's funny. Uh, it is the first, race, but it's funny. <laughs> this is this, this new project with lanes in, it makes me look at races a little bit differently. I just, I, when I started looking at this race, I looked at co-invest and I said, man, I hope this horse wins because it's a city of light. And that will be a fun video to make next week yep. with co-invest winning first time out, because there's also a fun story with co-invest. So let's talk about co-invest and then we'll talk about Zapata. And those are the only two horses I'll use because in my opinion, one of them will win the seven co-invest. This is a hell of a pedigree, right? It's a city of light. Uh, Acacia Courtney or Clement, excuse me, was the first one I heard say that she really felt like the city of lights were going to be really good on the turf. And I think that that's been the case to a certain extent. They've had a lot of success on the turf as well. And then when you look at the dam, Numero de Oro, and you look to see the siblings, you've got wit in there. Yep. And wit was a practical joke, but wit was a really cool horse in that he was a seven time graded stakes place horse. He was a graded stakes placed in the grade one champagne, but he also was a graded stake winner on the turf. He handled both surfaces. So the pedigree here with this horse, Co-Invest, the City of Light, uh, there's a half to a, a, a seven-time greatest stakes winner in, in wit, this horse can likely run. 
And the fact that you see Irad show up here for St. Elias and Todd and all that, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy that this horse can likely run. In the event that Co-Invest Invest can't run yet, or maybe just needs some time, um, Zapata is a Lope de Vega for Chad Brown. It's not that Chad's never not known what to do with a Lope de Vega. He's got a Lope de Vega that's out of Roca Rojo. Roca Rojo uh, for Peter Brandt was a home, was, is a homebred. This is a homebred horse where this horse was grade one placed, grade two, and grade three winner. So what I'm telling you is there's two like uh, superb pedigrees in here with two serious stallions, with two serious riders, with two serious owners, by two serious trainers. And it's that time of the year when horses like this start showing up. One of these two horses wins, in my opinion. And if you drew race seven of this split race, I think you feel fortunate. <laughs> I hope you're right. It'd be fun to have these horses hit the ground and be stars. And, you know, it is kind of funny. I'm sort of using – this is a, a Tropical Turf pick three show. I'm essentially using my whole Tropical Turf to try to get to a position where I have this exposed form horse, the one, as a hedge. And if those are, horses are bet right – because I'm a firm believer, JK, when everything you say is right, everything you say I agree with – uh, I, I totally see where you're going. And if you see horses like that who aren't bet, I don't think they win their fair share. So I agree with that. Yeah. The, 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 that's the last element. And I'll know that from the double pool from race 10 to 11. So I very likely will be better off if the seven or the nine wins, even though I'm not putting them on my, my tropical uh, picks, it, at least in the original way I'm drawing them up. You talked about city of light, very successful stallion, just some interesting numbers on him. 14% overall which is strong, you know, uh, uh, obviously 15% first time out. Also very strong. Something people look at um, very strong dirt sprinting, 17% there um, dirt routing, very solid 13% with turf turf's been interesting so far and it's limited sample, but extremely strong with the turf sprinters at 19%, the turf routing just 8% so far. But again, I'm not saying that doesn't matter. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, yeah you know what I think that is, though? You know what I, yeah. you know what I think that is, though, Pete, is like, I, I think that, like, you know, when you see a horse who wins the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, like City of Light did, and you see a horse that wins the Pegasus, like like City of Light did, I think that when you're a breeder, you say, oh, that's that. That's let me bring a dirt mare here. Yep. And I think that what happens in those situations is a lot of the early mares, the ones that we're seeing now, the earlier group of mares before they all started running. Remember, if I'm not mistaken, if I, I believe that the horses that are on the ground now, were bred prior to any city of lights running. I got to yeah. get better with my breeding math, but I think that's true. Um, and so I think that, you know, now you'll probably see, start seeing more turf ones because now people are like, Oh, I can also bring my turf mare to city of light and, yep. uh, and get a runner. Totally agree. I think that's a really interesting explanation of those numbers, but I mean, they're good pretty much any way you slice them. All right. Great stuff. We got another show for Sunday. Make sure to check that out. I'm going to drop them at the same time. I know I did something wrong with the file names last week. I got to heard from a bunch of people. Apologies for the confusion, but everything dropped at the same time. So everybody figured it out. I appreciate that. But thank you, JK. Thanks to our friends down at Gulfstream for sponsoring these shows. The show has been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>